From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. As we begin this new year, we invite you to hear Dr. Cairns as he continues a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Romans chapter 7 and verse 13. Sin, exceeding sinful. Beware of light thoughts of sin. At the time of conversion, the conscience is so tender that we are afraid of the slightest sin. Young converts have a holy timidity, a godly fear lest they should offend against God. But alas, very soon the fine bloom upon these first ripe fruits is removed by the rough handling of the surrounding world. The sensitive plant of young piety turns into a willow in afterlife, too pliant, too easily yielding. It is sadly true that even a Christian may grow by degrees so callous that the sin which once startled him does not alarm him in the least. By degrees men get familiar with sin. The ear in which the cannon has been booming will not notice slight sounds. At first a little sin startles us, but soon we say, Is it not a little one? Then there comes another, larger, and then another, until by degrees we begin to regard sin as but a little ill, and then follows an unholy presumption. We have not fallen into open sin. True, we have tripped a little, but we stood upright in the main. We may have uttered one unholy word, but as for the most of our conversation, it has been consistent. So we palliate sin. We throw a cloak over it. We call it by dainty names. Christian, beware how thou thinkest lightly of sin. Take heed lest thou fall by little and little. Sin a little thing? Is it not a poison? Who knows its deadliness? Sin a little thing? Do not the little foxes spoil the grapes? Doth not the tiny coral insect build a rock which wrecks a navy? Do not little strokes fell lofty oaks? Will not continual droppings wear away stones? Sin a little thing? It girded the Redeemer's head with thorns and pierced his heart. It made him suffer anguish, bitterness, and woe. 
could you weigh the least sin in the scales of eternity, you would fly from it as from a serpent, and abhor the least appearance of evil. Look upon all sin as that which crucified the Savior, and you will see it to be exceeding sinful. Pastor A.W. Tozer was one of the spiritual giants of the 20th century, a self-made scholar with an insatiable hunger for the deep things of God. He was known to often burn the midnight oil in his study, seeking a more profound experience of his Lord and Savior. His book, The Pursuit of God, is the result of long meditation and much prayer. It is not a collection of sermons. It does not deal with the pulpit and the pew— 
but with the soul athirst for God. Some of the chapter titles include Apprehending God, The Gaze of the Soul, and Meekness and Rest. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer complete reprints of this timeless devotional help free of charge. For your copy of The Pursuit of God, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your free copy of The Pursuit of God. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he returns to a message entitled, Christ in the Valley of Griefs. Coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord Jesus was confronted by a sorrowing father whose son was possessed by a demon. Unable to find help from the disciples, he turned to Christ with the words, If you can do anything, help us. Jesus turned his question around, saying, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Then he said, Bring him to me. The first lesson this scene teaches us is how Christ enters the valley of grief with the glory of his grace and power. It appeared that Satan was triumphant, but then Jesus came. Here is a picture of the only answer to the human condition. Now here is Dr. Cairns with the next portion of this message, Christ in the Valley of Griefs. If the Lord Jesus were going to wait until he encountered perfect faith before he would act on our behalf, would he ever act? If he were waiting for perfect faith from you or perfect faith from me, if he were waiting for perfect love or perfect repentance or perfect anything from you or me before he acted, he would never do anything for us. Here with this distracted father expressing but an imperfect faith, the Lord Jesus immediately acted. He delivered the boy from the devil, from his dumbness, from his deafness. And as Luke tells us, he then gave him back to his father. That's one of the loveliest touches in the story that's given in the three synoptic gospels. The Father brought him to Jesus, and he gave him back to him. Again, there's a sermon I haven't time to preach. 
but you can extrapolate from that a very general biblical truth. Whatever you bring to the Lord Jesus, He gives back to you in better shape than it ever was before, with greater fullness and with greater blessing. He brought His Son to the feet of Jesus, and the Lord Jesus gave Him back fully delivered. Now, put yourself among the disciples. Quite naturally, they were more than a little perturbed. After all, these were disciples who had never yet failed. When they were facing a sickness, they were able to deal with that sickness. They had not known failure in this realm. And now they come to the Lord Jesus and say, why couldn't we cast them out? What's the difference? Well, if you turn back to Matthew's account in chapter 17, you'll find the full answer of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus gives his answer, first of all, in what he said first when he came upon this scene. We have read it in Mark. We'll read it again in Matthew. Verse 17 of chapter 17, O faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation. And then verse 20, Jesus answered their question, Why could not we cast him out? Because of your unbelief. Now that was plain enough. Why couldn't they cast him out? Because they were unbelieving. They were faithless. The Lord Jesus makes it clear. doesn't matter what ritual you go through. It doesn't matter what truths you profess. It doesn't matter how true the statements you make. It doesn't matter with what enthusiasm or what emotion you command Satan's defeat. This is not how it's done. This will be by faith or it will not be at all. Because of your unbelief, you couldn't do it. This is a portion with many, many lessons. It's a portion of Scripture that shows us something of ourselves, of our sin, of our need. It shows us more than a little of our enemy. But most of all, and this is where I want to focus our attention this morning, it shows us our Savior. And as I've indicated, and I want us to think of this as we Look at this passage of Scripture. When you study it carefully, you see Christ with us in the valley of our grief. First point I want to make is very, very simple, and yet it's a truth, it's a joy, it's a peace that the devil would like to rob us of. And it's simply this, that Christ enters the valley of human grief with the glory of His grace and His power. I've already indicated that the scene at the foot of the Mount of Transfiguration is a miniature of the whole world. When you look at this passage, you can understand why the Bible tells us that man is of few days and full of trouble. You can understand how, again, we are told that man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Not just trouble. 
but trouble, suffering, anguish caused by Satan and caused by sin. Look again at this miniature of the world at the foot of the Mount of Transfiguration, and you'll see a picture of souls depraved, of lives destroyed, of families wrecked, of bodies ruined, and of Satan triumphant. Here is a picture of Satan destructive, unchangeable in his hatred towards not only God but men, unchainable and unconquerable. You see, the disciples, they could do nothing about the devil, not a thing in the world. The scribes who were mocking them, those religious leaders of the Jews, they could do nothing about the devil. They were mocking the disciples, but they themselves were just as powerless. The, the whole picture is one of an unconquerable enemy, and no power of man could do anything with Satan. Then Jesus came. And that's the key line. Then Jesus came. And you know, when you look at it in that light, that is the history and the story of salvation. This is exactly how the New Testament puts it. In Titus 2 verse 11, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Titus 3 verse 4, The kindness and love of God our Savior toward man hath appeared. Hebrews 9.26 tells us that now once in the end of the world, Christ hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I have deliberately chosen texts with that uh, recurring theme of his appearing for a singular purpose. And I have done it because this is in many ways the story of the world. A story of sin, consequent suffering, alienation from God, the, the, the devil defeating and destroying bodies and souls for time and eternity, rampant and unconquerable, religion powerless, whether it's orthodox or heterodox, powerless to do anything against the power of Satan. Then Jesus came. Man, that's the, that's the hinge on which world history turns. The coming into the world of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent forth his Son. We quote these words of Scripture, you know. They roll off the end of our tongue. And we have lost, I think, a great deal of the, of the mystery and the joy of them. God sent forth his Son. Think of that. I can't describe it. I can't understand it. I was trying this morning uh, before I came to, to church to let my mind uh, again go over something of the, the incomprehensible greatness and majesty and glory and a theme that I have been emphasizing for many months, the absoluteness of God. What does that mean? I can give you a string of words, but I can't describe or define truly. God is absolute. He is what theologians call self-contained. 
That is, God is not dependent on anything outside of himself. If you want it a little more theologically or philosophically, think this one through. God is not correlative to anything outside of himself. God is, and that's the whole story. God is what he is, a holy trinity in all his perfections. He is not derived. He is not caused. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He is self-contained fullness and perfection. The eternal personal God of the Bible revealing himself to us insofar as we are capable of receiving a revelation. We have it here first in the written word, but that written word pointing to this glorious fact of the incarnate word, that this God who needed nothing, this God who, as Romans chapter 9 tells us, is blessed forever, in himself has all blessing, all happiness, all satisfaction, all fullness. This God who needs nothing, to whom nothing can be added, to whose wealth nothing can be given to enrich him, this God, in the sovereignty of his purpose, in the free exercise of his will, not through any deficiency in himself or any necessity in himself, created you and me. Then he sent forth his Son into the world. There is the mystery that baffled the minds of angels when the eternal Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Satan certainly had cause to go into convulsions at that time. We see his reaction in the body of this poor boy. But let me tell you, when Jesus came into the world, that, that was the ultimate dread of the devil. You see it at the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark tells us how the Lord Jesus went into the temple. And what happened, the evil spirits cried out, We know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. We know thee, and we dread thee. Why? Jesus came. It's the story of the history and the history of the salvation of the world. But thank God it's also the story of every individual who has ever come into salvation. You remember Zacchaeus outside the city of Jericho climbed a tree. He would up that tree a self-condemned sinner. Then Jesus came. Today is salvation come to thy house. In John 11, we read of Lazarus lying in a tomb, dead as dead could be, corrupt with the corruption and decay of death. 
Then Jesus came, and he cried, Lazarus, come forth. And forth he came. Paul speaks for all Christians in giving his testimony in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I think every Christian who has ever felt the grace of God, and of course every Christian has felt the grace of God, unto salvation— Every such Christian always feels this is one thing that Paul got wrong. You're not the chief of sinners. I am. You see, Paul was speaking for us all there. Every sinner saved by grace, if he's convinced of anything, is convinced of the guilt of his own sin. He's convinced of the wickedness of his own heart. He's convinced that if ever any man deserved hell, he deserves hell. Many a time as I consider what the Word of God teaches and what my own heart witnesses, I've got to come honestly before the Lord and realizing the fullness of what I'm saying, there is not a sinner in hell today. Not a sinner already in hell who more deserves to be there than I do. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He saw us in the valley of the grief and the guilt and the depravity and the suffering and the damnation of our sin. What a message of hope for a world that's sunk in sin. And for you, if you're out of Christ, Romans 5 verse 20 tells me that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Thank God, sin is deep, but grace is deeper. Here's our confidence. Christ Jesus came into this valley of guilt and grief. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening. 
and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.